We're back. It's still Jeremy. And it's still Julie. And we're still two physicians who are asking... What the hell? Jeremy. Yeah. Do you have a, a chief complaint for me? I always have chief. My friend? I have I have always have lots of complaints. That's why where I'm on the <laughs> podcast with you. I'm full. Lay complaint. it on me, buddy. Yeah. Um today we're gonna tackle a huge topic. No pun intended, I guess, with that one. It's intended. Yeah. It's very much intended. But we're 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 gonna we're gonna talk about uh obesity, we're gonna talk about weight loss, we're gonna talk about um whether those are even words I should be using at this point. And we're going to talk uh, about why doctors overall really suck at talking about this. Um, and so <laughs> because we generally suck about this, we brought on somebody who doesn't suck about Yay. talking about this. And so with that, I'm going to introduce Dr. Naomi Perella. Dr. Perella is a graduate of University of Wisconsin-Madison in Loyola Stritch School of Medicine, and she is a double board-certified physician in family medicine and obesity medicine. She is the Chief of Lifestyle Medicine at Rush University, the Medical Director for Rush University's Center for Weight Loss and Lifestyle Medicine, the Director for Strategic Planning and Implementation within the Department of Surgery, an Associate Professor in both the Department of Family Medicine and the Department of Surgery. And she has zero free time, from what I can tell, <laughs> at least in the first paragraph. I'm going to read more paragraphs because Dr. Perilla is the bomb. She is a chief yes. medical officer at Readout Health, a medical device company and maker of Biosense Metabolic Monitor, which sounds completely badass. And she's also a nationally recognized expert and frequently invited speaker, educator, and strategist for universities, hospitals, communities, and businesses, as well as newly launched podcasts. And she's sharing her unique insights into the human factors and systems that lead to success. She has been partnering with Global organizations, including United Airlines, before and during the pandemic to help create programs to care for their employees. She has appeared in multiple media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, The Hill, Healthline, Morning Consult, Thrive, Global, Bariatric Times, Yahoo News Insider, and HuffPost.com. And I hope in the future that has a comma and it says, what the health podcast. So <laughs> with that, Dr. Perella, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. This is too fun. Yeah. Uh, I think your neck might be broken from all those hats you wear. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Right. I, uh, I'm i going to take a drink break to make sure that I get enough uh, saliva back in my mouth. You are very well qualified. Um, yes, listen, uh, no, so, so so Dr. Perella works over with us uh, uh, in our area and we work collaboratively a lot of times and she is just a perfect person yeah. to have um, um, on this podcast. But Naomi, why don't you go ahead and tell people about yourself? How did you uh, end up doing this? How did you end up with an interest in this field and, and, and such? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. This is too fun because we get to work together, um, you know, clinically. So this is kind of fun to talk about stuff outside of work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came about this sort of in a roundabout way. I used to drive out. So when I was an undergrad in Wisconsin, I used to drive out into the rural communities where there were no gymnasiums um, or workout gyms. And I would go to the local elementary school gymnasium and I would be a personal trainer and teach aerobics to the farmer's wives. Oh, wow. And it was so much fun, right? <laughs> so I was doing all that and I was really interested in fitness and health and I was teaching people what I was learning at school. Fast forward, you know, going to medical school and learning about all these different diseases and how to treat them. I don't remember a single thing about exercise. Mm -hmm. And I remember learning about scurvy, but not much else related to nutrition. <laughs> and to this day, I've never seen scurvy. So that didn't really help me there. But anyways, so, you know, along the way, you know, I became a family physician and went into practice and I was taking care of all of these individuals who were trying so hard to do the right thing to take care of themselves. And it just was like, here's another medication for you. And here's yet another medication. Oh, and now you can have a surgery because things continue to progress. 
So what I found was when I tapped back into all the things I was doing as an undergrad, driving out to the rural gymnasiums and teaching in the elementary school gyms, bringing that into my clinical care helped resolve issues. I, I had a patient show me that she could reverse diabetes, which in med school I was told is not possible. Yeah. And so it was really from that start, I really started seeing, okay, we are missing the boat here where it's the lifestyle stuff that sets the stage for whether you're going to heal or not. So that's how I kind of got to this place now. That's a great story. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, all three of us are family physicians um, at, at heart. So I think that that what you're saying definitely resonates with, with with both Julie and I. And and certainly we do the sports medicine aspect of it now. And so we talk about exercise and weight loss all the time. But totally. And, and obviously a lot of our patients struggle with this. So maybe what we could start with is you know, orient us to the the current problem. I think everybody who's probably listening understands that that obesity and being overweight and 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 the the, the diet and the Western diet are a huge problem. I think that that's no secret anymore. But but where are we currently? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeremy. So you know, as we know, the uh, individuals affected by overweight and obesity has been increasing like for years. And so we're at the point now where one in five children and one in three adults struggle with obesity. Mm -hmm. And what's unfortunate about that is it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. And it and there's not a single person on the planet, unless you're a sumo wrestler, who says, when I grow up, I want to gain as much weight as possible. So it's not because people are trying to get there, mm-hmm. right? But something is happening that people have misinformation or there's certain things that happen in their lives or they're started on certain medications that we end up in the state we're in today. And so unfortunately, we have one in five children and one in three adults in the United States are struggling with obesity. And we know it's a problem because it leads to mental health issues, it leads to diabetes, it leads to heart attacks, strokes, cancer, all sorts of stuff, the stuff we don't want, right? right. And so that's that makes it a bigger problem for us. Definitely. I mean, I mean, Jeremy, I, I, I'm sure, you know, you and I have had, you know, struggles with a lot of our patients. And, and I agree with you, Naomi, I think, you know, when we're in medical school and even throughout residency and in our training, really, and I think unless we just sort of declare that this is um, something that we have a special interest in, it's not really like a big part of just general medical training, which seems so ass backwards to me. You know what I mean? Like you'd think that like, like the basics of, you know, like nutrition and exercise medicine, exercise physiology should be day one. And you're absolutely right about scurvy. Like right. yeah, I know what all these vitamin deficiencies do, but, but like really what is, what is true, like malnutrition, you know, and, and yeah. how that can be like what people are experiencing now, you know, and, and still be, you know, uh, overweight and, you know, so, I mean, it is, it is really frustrating to, to sort of navigate this world when you feel like you didn't really have good building blocks underneath you. But again, like, I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, and, and I don't know, it's been long enough since I've been in medical school that maybe those things are changing. Um, but I think as, as we see this continuing to be a problem, like, you know, hopefully we can increase the, you know, the, the, just having these types of discussions to sort of make it more mainstream and part of, um, not only how we, we train our doctors, but sort of, you know, disseminating that information out to everybody. Um, but I, yeah, it is, it is, it is rough. <laughs> when we were in medical school, Julie, yeah. there was no department of lifestyle medicine. No. So I think you're right. I think it probably has progressed a little bit because there now sure. is a department of <laughs> lifestyle medicine. A, a little bit. So yeah. This this may be going too far back to the basics, but I think it's an important question because yeah. I think people can find this answer by searching it on a website. But I also think that sometimes it's not approachable and understanding it. But like, what is obesity? Like, what's unhealthy? What do we consider unhealthy these days? Absolutely. So, so that's a really good question because 
there is the medical diagnosis of mm -hmm. overweight and obesity, which is based on height and weight. And so a BMI, which can be calculated online, you know, just type in BMI and you can calculate, you put in your weight and your height and it will tell you your BMI. A BMI of 25 and above is considered overweight and 30 and above is obese, right? Now that's just based on height and weight. And so we can all think of individuals who might all weigh the same and all be the same height, but if you have a lot more muscle mass or you have a lot more fat mass, your body is not necessarily, they're not all having the same health uh, status, right? Mm -hmm. So you can be overweight based on BMI. So let's say a BMI of 27. Mm -hmm. And that could be a bodybuilder where I cannot pinch any fat off their body. Mm -hmm. Or it could be somebody who has a high percentage body fat, which is unhealthy and causing them to develop prediabetes or diabetes or some other health problems. Mm -hmm. So the BMI is a screening tool and then it tell it gives you a medical diagnosis. So that's helpful for screening, meaning if I want to just know if I should worry about somebody, I could just look at the BMI and say, oh, they're high, maybe there's a health problem. And then I can actually examine the patient and be like, oh, you're a bodybuilder, this is not a problematic mm -hmm. weight for you or somebody else, oh, you're having some uh, complications or limitations because of your weight, now that's a problem. Mm -hmm. so, so obesity is a number, uh, a BMI in medical diagnosis, but just because your chart might say you're obese with a BMI of 30, it doesn't mean it's unhealthy weight. So if it's all muscle, that's okay. Yeah. Well, and right. I think I get a lot from patients too of being, of, I feel like people are kind of shitting on the BMI because it's like, yeah. this is not an accurate representation of my, my metabolic status. And totally. I, yeah, I would love to hear like from someone who this is, you know, an expert in this field, like, what are you looking at? Are you looking at, you know, like abdominal circumference? Are you looking at body fat percentage? Are you looking at like, give me like, cause I'm sure our listeners would want to know, like, am I fat? <laughs> I don't feel yeah. fat. Am I too fat? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. How right. do I, am I okay? You know, and, and is, yeah. and what does that mean as far as my health? And as opposed to, I mean, like, it's really, I didn't, I mean, we don't even have time to get into all like this, you know, well, maybe we do like the, the psychosocial side of all that as well, you know, or <laughs> right. like the cultural right. side of that. But yeah, like, yeah. what are you looking at Naomi other than BMI, like as someone who's really assessing the full person? So when I look at the person, the, there's multiple things that, Anybody anywhere can do if you've had a doctor's appointment mm -hmm. um, with any kind of blood work. So first of all, the waistline, mm -hmm. okay? If your waistline is a lot bigger than it should be, and you might know that, for example, um, it continues to grow after you're like in your early 20s, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you're pregnant, your waistline should not continue to grow, mm -hmm. right, as, as we get older. Mm -hmm. um, and so if it's dramatically increasing, you already know there's a metabolic problem. And 88% of the U.S. adult population has a metabolic dysfunction. Oof. 88%. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's like it, that so, was a B plus in school, but not in this situation. Whoa. No, yeah, like in this reverse. situation. Yeah. Right. So if, so in, um, you know, screening terms again. So what we look at across a population, when we look at a lot of people is if your waistline is greater than 35 inches and you're a woman, you're already at metabolic risk. If it's greater than 40 inches for a man, you're at metabolic risk. But even more important is if you start seeing other numbers going sort of off track, it could be your mm -hmm. blood pressure. It could be your resting heart rate. It could be, which would be the first heart rate in the morning, mm -hmm. right? If it starts trending up um, and also looking at blood work. Mm -hmm. So what do blood sugars look like? The triglyceride to HDL ratio. There's lots of different ways we can assess. So any patient that comes in to see us in our office, we look at a variety of different numbers and sometimes people only have one or two and mm -hmm. that's okay. You can still assess and make a judgment about, okay, this is something we could really, you know, target and turn this around. What kind of things are you looking at? Like, say I'm your patient, say my yeah. BMI, you know, my, I get screened at, and my BMI is 38 
And yeah. my physician says, you know, I really think you should see Dr. Perella to come up with a good lifestyle management plan. And I come in and I have no other information about myself. That's just me. And um, I have no other known diagnoses. And f- fix me, Naomi. Fix me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in that case, Julie, your BMI of 38, which I know it's not, but uh, that BMI of 38 no is is obesity based mm-hmm. on a medical diagnosis. Okay. And so I would also want to see what your waist circumference is. Mm-hmm. And if your waist circumference is enlarged, we already know you have insulin resistance. Wow. Okay. And so already there, I I don't actually need that much more information. Okay. Okay. Now I just need to know how far along are you? So insulin resistance is a state where your body is, it's like pre-pre-diabetes. Okay. So insulin resistance turns into pre-diabetes, turns into diabetes. Insulin resistance turns into gout. Insulin resistance turns into fatty liver. Insulin resistance leads to atherosclerosis. So Mm -hmm. it's sort of the the foundation of all these other health problems. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's waistline starts increasing, I already know they're in metabolic trouble. And now we can reverse it. That's awesome. When you draw blood work, I feel like we have, uh, you know, we'll see patients from time to time who really are trying to take ownership of, of, of the problem, right? They're really trying to be healthy. And I'll see these reports and they've got like 300 blood tests you know, and they've seen a, yeah. you know, a certain provider who says that they can help right. them or whatever, you know, I, give us a sense of, first of all, I assume people don't need all of those blood tests. And second of all, what maybe what blood tests they should be getting. Yeah. So there's some blood tests. So this is, of course, it's not like a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but in general, if somebody comes in and they say, you know what, I, I really want to get my body feeling good. I want energy. I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to do my sports. I want an unlimited life, you know, like to be able to do everything I want to do. Then we will start with, for example, a classic panel might be a CBC. And that's looking at to really see if you have enough red blood cells. So you are not fatigued from anemia, right? Um, Make sure there's no inflammation from an excessively high white blood cell count. We'll look at a complete metabolic panel, which will look at the liver and kidney function. If we see the liver is the liver numbers are off, we kind of are expecting there's possibly fatty liver, right? Mm-hmm. Which also affects the metabolism and the weight. We'll look at the cholesterol panel, but not the total cholesterol. We want to see the triglycerides and the triglyceride to HDL ratio. Mm-hmm. And that tells us again, the higher that is, the more insulin resistant somebody mm-hmm. is and the more in danger they are with their uh, met- metabolic state. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look at if there's a concern about thyroid, which usually that's not an issue, but um, we'll, we might check that. And a fasting insulin is a fantastic way if somebody doesn't have mm-hmm. a triglyceride to HDL ratio. Fasting insulin lab is a really good way to see sort of that metabolic state somebody is in. That's awesome. That Those was, I just, I just learned so much there, Julie. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Can you say that all again? Naomi, I'm going to take some notes. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi, do you, do you see, um, I know you see a lot of patients and, and we refer, you know, I, I will continue to refer patients to you. Do you, um, have any limitations, uh, as far as insurance issues? Like if somebody doesn't have insurance or somebody has like a Medicare, Medicaid kind of situation, um, do you run into any issues with treating those folks or like with the amount of things that you would be able to order? Like, um, talk to me because I, I would, I would hate for there to be economic barriers to the type of, um, medical expertise that you can give. I mean, certainly in an ideal world, every single physician would be doing all of these things, you know? Um, but I mean, like, do you, do you, I would hate for there to be, yeah, an, an economic barrier to folks. Like, do you, do you see that as a problem? Well, and contextually too, I feel like if you went back just even a few years, I feel like it was hard to kind of have weight loss centers and such kind of be financially feasible, right? Because they weren't being covered by insurance. So I think, I think that's a great question by Julie, but I just feel like the context is, it wasn't even that long ago. I feel like it was hard. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it still is, right? So mm-hmm. many weight loss medications are not covered by insurance because it's considered 
elective, you know, mm. or like a, a luxury. Um, but what we found is you, you can actually have tremendous success without weight loss medications mm -hmm. and being a primary care trained provider, right? We know that we're treating, if somebody has osteoarthritis, right? You guys see all the time, people yeah. who are having never, never heard problems. of it. What's that? Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Spell you it. know, or right. Or if somebody's <laughs> like having surgery, right. And they want to have a better outcome. Yeah. If somebody has high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, there's so many things that respond. So when we are taking care of the person from that standpoint of instead of giving them five different kinds of meds and a, you know, bunch of machines and multiple different ways to treat each thing individually, we're treating all of them by helping them decrease inflammation and the side effect is losing weight. Mm -hmm. So we haven't had problems when we go at it from that angle, but if we're, if somebody's just coming in and they have no other health problems, they're metabolically healthy, but they just carry a little extra weight, then it is a little bit harder to, you know, depending on the insurance, some companies won't even cover, but it's company dependent or insurance dependent. So that's not really, it, I can't like predict ahead of time. Sure. Because there will be exclusions. Companies will exclude obesity as a covered diagnosis. Which is just ludicrous, right? Yeah. yeah. And inhumane. Yeah. yeah but I mean, but I mean like, I mean, if you, if we had a round table right now of like 12 different specialties on here and we just said like, mm -hmm. what's the number one thing leading to the top three or four diagnoses in your clinic to the other specialties, I feel like obesity mm -hmm. would be on the list in almost all of them. It's like smoking, it's like one. smoking, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's yeah. in all of them. So how yeah. are, how can we not be trying to get ahead of that? It just seems so wrong. Uh, right. Um, well, I think Naomi, I, I had a, you know, you brought up like inflammation and I feel like I've yeah. brought up to patients a lot too that, you know, certainly, yeah, Jeremy and I treat a lot of folks with osteoarthritis. So have degenerative yeah. joint disease, you know, the big, the big three that we see a lot or, or that I see a lot is, you know, knees, hips, shoulders, um, but certainly it can affect every joint, but the weight bearing ones yeah. um, obviously make, you know, make a big difference with how much weight you're carrying too. But I've also yeah. been explaining it to folks that I, I personally kind of look at, um, obesity or increased adiposity or whatever you want to call it as a systemic inflammatory condition. And I wanted to know if you would agree with that, you know, cause I tell people like, yes, if you, you know, if we're able to bring your weight down by X amount of pounds, yes, it's going to be less, you know, pounds per square inch of pressure across your knees. But I think it can also really affect the amount of just general inflammation that you have in your body, which can improve your joint health, but also could yeah, improve your umpteen other things. I mean, I think, I think right. it's so, sort of understood now that inflammation is, is kind of the, the, um, I don't know, the, the, the big culprit when it comes to totally. uh, increased risk for, yeah, you, you, you were talking about heart attack, stroke, cancer. Um, yeah. I mean, I think even like going through COVID and seeing folks that are obese, oh, having yeah. a much higher, ha higher mortality because of COVID being this sort of systemic inflammatory response. So yeah. I'll shut up and let you answer that question. But like, I've seen it more as obesity as, as a systemic inflammatory condition. I just want to know if you, if you would agree or disagree with that. Yeah. So obesity is kind of interesting because what we're talking about is excess fat cells, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's actually three places the body stores fat, three sort of compartments. One is right under the skin, the kind that you can squeeze. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the one that most people hate the most. Okay. And that can grow very quickly and very large. And people will talk about the rolls or their extra skin on the outside. Right. That's actually metabolically not unhealthy for the most part. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then there's the visceral fat tissue, which is around the organs under the belly uh, muscle, under the abdominal muscle. Right. So that you can't see as much of it. You can see some of it, right? But mm -hmm. but it's not squishy. It's mm -hmm. actually quite firm because it's behind the muscle. That is metabolically unhealthy, right? Because it's mm -hmm. all the fat around the organs. Mm -hmm. And then there's fatty liver, mm -hmm. right? And that's about 500 grams of fat can be stored in the liver. And that is unhealthy. That's for sure unhealthy, right? It leads to cirrhosis and diabetes and so on. So it depends on where the fat tissue is. Mm -hmm. The second thing to know is fat cells can multiply in number 
or they can, so that would be hyperplasia. Mm -hmm. And then there's fat cells that enlarge and almost like explode. They just start spilling out. That's hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. So hypertrophied fat cells are significant inflammatory cells, right? Mm -hmm. they, they draw the macrophage. They cause a lot of inflammation in the mm -hmm. body. Hyperplasia, not as big of a deal. And that's what's under the skin. Mm -hmm. Okay. It doesn't cause yeah, as much inflammation. So wow. yeah, it kind of depends. The, the fat tissue that people hate the most is actually usually the least problematic on the body. <laughs> <laughs> is it safe well, to say, if, is that, it safe to say yeah. if they go after the fat that they hate the most though, they will also be doing the right things to get rid of the other fat? So liposuction takes care of the fat under the skin, but that does not result in metabolic improvement. Good point. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Oh. But if you actually work out and let's say you go to Midwest Ortho's Sports Performance Center and you get a really good workout in and you learn how to move your body appropriately, hell yeah, you're going to you're, <laughs> you're going to optimize all areas, right? So that will include the subcutaneous tissue as well as the visceral fat as well as the uh, liver fat. I feel like yeah. we're going to ask you more about diets later on because there's a million of them, <laughs> but it, we yeah, just used the are. word inflammatory a bunch. And I just know that there's a bunch of people yeah. listening to this right now who are going to be like, so does the anti-inflammatory yeah. diet work? And I just feel like we should quickly address that. <laughs> yeah. Good one. No, nice segue. Yeah. Good segue. Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so inflammation means that there's uh, your body's immune system is trying to clean things up and fix problems in the body, right? So it's basically uh, inflammation is, uh, it can be swelling, it can be pain. And sometimes it's important to have inflammation because then it can cause healing to happen, but it's when it continues on. So we're talking about chronic inflammation, right? Inflammation that's not helpful and it just gets sort of stuck on. So Anti-inflammatory diet actually is a misnomer because for some people, it, it could be something, each person is different, right? So whatever causes inflammation to decrease, oftentimes it'll include things like cutting out sugar, cutting out dairy, not eating gluten, um, you know, staying with whole foods. Mm -hmm. And so that can be helpful. But again, you know, when we get to talking about more specific diets, I'll be able to. Yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 so the answer is to be continued. Um, yes. To be continued, exactly. <laughs> so y you have a job, I think, that kind of mirrors ours in in a lot of ways, but in 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 a specific way in which I feel like it is created out of a situation in which it's because other people can't that should be doing this can't do it very well. Like historically speaking, doctors just are awful at giving weight loss counseling just awful at it. We're very good at telling people they need to lose weight at it, but, but the, it, it's just like, period, you need to lose weight, period. Go figure it out on your own. Or like, I don't know, we'll like, right. go Google something. And like Julie and my job, I feel like we have a job because many, you know, primary care doctors don't get much education in the musculoskeletal world and are uncomfortable. And many orthopedic surgeons don't want to spend a lot of time with patients and don't know how to do injections or don't want to do injections. And so like out of that creates our world. And so I feel like yeah. your lifestyle medicine world is created out of the fact that people don't do this well and you have a job for it, which is great. But maybe can you touch on why we stink at it so much? Like, like, <laughs> like should, should people be doing this? Like, I mean, like what, what do doctors need to do better? Like what can we do better with our patients? Yeah, I think the number one thing that is a challenge for all of us is, A, we're not trained on how to do this. We can give meds like out the wazoo, right? That's like standard. Everybody needs to know how to do that. But there's no, I don't remember a single question like on my boards asking me about weight or diets. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, not one, not even about scurvy. So, you know, so, <laughs> so it makes it like, okay, so there's not, nobody's making you understand this or learn this. And the reason is because we've actually sucked at it for so long because we used to tell everybody, eat less, exercise more. Mm -hmm. I still hear this. This mm -hmm. is the stupidest thing I've ever yeah. heard because if it was that easy, we'd all be a stick, yeah. right? right? Like this is, it's obviously that's not the answer. So eat less, exercise more comes from calories in, calories out. Mm -hmm. What you eat, 
then you have to burn off or it's going to stay on your body. It's just simple algebra. It's just simple algebra. Right, of course. Right. That's not so everyone's like, yeah, this should make so much sense. But it's actually not true. You guys know already just the machines when they like, you know, tell you you've burned a thousand calories running or whatever. That's probably not very accurate. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we know that for, you know, most of these uh, exercise equipment. But even aside from that, the human body adapts. So if you take calories in, your body adapts and changes based on the temperature in the room, based on what you're doing, are you sick, are you not? So it's not like so simple as calories in, calories out. We're not a machine. Mm -hmm. We change and the environment changes. So calories in and then a bunch of stuff happens and then calories out. So it's totally not effective. What's helpful is to think about what are the things that you can do that make you want less calories because you can use the fat stored on your body for fuel, so you're not going to be driven to keep eating constantly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so desiring less calories because you're satiated and because you have access to backup fuel source means you're just not going to be that hungry, Mm -hmm. and then you still do your life, so you're burning more calories than you're bringing in. But what we do is we start our day usually with something that causes us to be hungry for the whole rest of the day, roughly about every two hours. And that's the carbs and sugars, right? And when you start your day with a waffle, pancake, toast, hash browns, you know, the wrap, whatever it is, cereal, oatmeal, now your body is going to be having the munchies pretty much throughout the day. I noticed you didn't say donut, so that's fine. Donuts are good. (laughs) Right. That's what Jeremy's getting out of this, just so you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, I think that's really important to recognize, you know, it's not forcing yourself to have less calories and then you have this calorie deficit. It's actually that you want less calories because you're eating the right foods and your body feels fine and it's not going to drive you to seek out stuff it's not getting. Why am I hungry two hours later if I had cereal? Great question. So you know that when you have carbs or sugars, it immediately causes your blood sugars to start climbing. Okay. And okay, let's use baking measurements. All right. Mm -hmm. Teaspoons, tablespoons, and cups. How much blood sugar do you think you have to have in your bloodstream at any one time to have the perfect amount of blood sugar? And blood sugar acts as fuel, right? It's like gas in a car, so it's mm-hmm. fuel in the body. How much do you think you'd have to have using baking measurements mm. at any one moment? Circulating like in your bloodstream. whole bloodstream? I'm going to go with a cup. Uh, I, I'm going to go with two tablespoons. So it's a teaspoon. Son of a okay. bitch. Yeah. And you know, it's three no, teaspoons. No more donies for you, Jeremy. Yeah. So, so one teaspoon is perfect blood sugar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had really high blood sugar, you know, it's no longer fuel. It becomes poison mm. and it poisons every cell in the body, right? It causes blindness, kidney failure, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, nerve damage, joint damage. And that very high poisonous level of sugar is called diabetes. Mm-hmm. And how much blood sugar would have to be in someone's bloodstream to get a diagnosis of diabetes at any one time? What do you think? I just know the lab results. <laughs> Probably not much more. Two, two, two teaspoons? That's one and a quarter teaspoons. That's, oh, oh, my wow. God. Okay. Crazy, right? Ooh. This is becoming my this least favorite like podcast. Worst news ever. <laughs> yeah, totally. And totally. Tommy, this is yeah. a bummer. I know. I'm such a downer. This is why, you know. Yeah, this is great. So, Yeah. So I tell people this because it shows you how sensitive the human body is Mm -hmm. to blood sugar, right? Mm -hmm. So if you start with, let's say, one piece of whole grain toast, okay, Mm -hmm. that everybody's told to eat whole grain, and you're having one piece. Nowadays, they're pretty big pieces, okay? But Mm -hmm. we're going to go with the old school size piece. And if you have one piece, that's roughly about four to five teaspoons of sugar that you're dumping in your bloodstream Mm -hmm. when it gets digested. And so you can imagine the body goes in panic mode Mm -hmm. and you're going to be poisoned at one and a quarter. So your body has an amazing defense. 
And that defense is called insulin. Mm-hmm. And insulin comes from your pancreas. That's it's behind your stomach and it gets pumped out every time the sugars climb. And what insulin does is it turns off your body's ability to burn fat. Done. No more backup fuel source. Mm-hmm. So if you're flying an airplane and you're running out of fuel, you are happy to have a backup fuel source. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in the body, right? Our backup fuel source is our fat cells. But if you've just spiked your insulin really high because you had that toast first thing in the morning, now you don't have access to your backup fuel. You're going to mm-hmm. be hungry because it's almost like you need an IV infusion of right. fuel throughout the day because you have now shut off your backup fuel tank. That is just like huge That's mind explosion. <laughs> <laughs> But it makes so much sense, right? It it's sure like, does. oh my gosh, well, it, now it, I get it, it. It does, Naomi, but you're on a podcast with two other family doctors and I'm still like jaw to the ground here. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> so like I think you really just nailed like why we stink so much at this because you're right. We're right. probably all like, yeah, just calories in, calories out, whatever. Yeah. Just yeah right. Sure, that's fine. Uh, you're fat. Yeah, too and, bad. And what Go did we learn about insulin? Yeah, all these damn receptors and whatever. Sure. How helpful is that to us? Right? Like how do yeah. you apply that in the clinic? No. It's not helpful. If you memorize it so you can take it. a test exactly. and then you forget it immediately. I also, I, also, exactly. you can get test. I also now know why the whole cereal aisle is full of those boxes that like basically have the name of the cereal and at the same size font, how much protein is in it. Like, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Forget this yeah. is sugar. Yeah. Right. There's also exactly. a little bit of protein in Pay it. Pay attention yeah. to those. Oh yeah. my yes. goodness. Right. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Julie, I'm going to need a few minutes here. Do you have any? (laughs) Well, okay. Like, so, I mean, I I mean, uh, yeah, Naomi can't solve all of our metabolic problems in, you know, in, in, in the, you know, the the hour that we get her, but yeah. Like, so what would you recommend? Like when I wake up in the morning and I have my cup of coffee, yeah. uh, And I would need a little snacky snack because I'm hangry. Mm -hmm. What would be a good alternative for me? And I don't eat meat. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) any kind of proteins, right? And it doesn't have to be meat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be meat, right? So any kind of protein and any kind of vegetables, Mm -hmm. right? So the protein, as as we all know, you have to have protein. That's the Mm -hmm. one thing you have to have, right? So Mm -hmm. um, it's important to have enough protein so you maintain your bones, your muscles, your you know, immune system, your mm-hmm. blood cells, you know, all of that, right? So we need to have protein in our diet. And protein can be animals. Mm-hmm. It can be legumes, mm-hmm. right? Like any of the beans or soybeans and mm-hmm. things like that. It can be cottage cheese. It could be um, nuts, right? So there's lots of different options for proteins. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is vegetables. And vegetables feed our gut microbiome. Mm-hmm right? And they give us vitamins and minerals and all those nutrients, which help our body function better and heal. So those would be the things. So like an omelet would be great. Mm -hmm. If you're not having eggs, then you would have some other kind of protein that you like to have in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fine. All right. I'm back. But if you work out, but Julie, if you work Mm -hmm. out, okay, Mm -hmm. Carbs after you work out, your muscles will absorb all of those, mm-hmm. right? So then your your blood sugars don't sp- spike so high because your muscles are empty and they're hungry. So they right. will absorb a lot of that. So that's why a workout is a great idea. Does it matter what time yeah. of the day I work out? Well, your body will respond differently, of course. You know, your strength will peak later in the afternoon, you know, and um, in the morning, it's you're going to be fasted unless you woke up in the middle of the night. So you... Uh, if you work out in the morning, you're tapping into your fat cells a lot faster. Mm. So if somebody's yeah. trying to lose right. fat, it's probably better to do it on a fasting when you wake up in the morning. Unless it means they're not going to do it because they don't wake up sure. early, right? So yeah. first is always whenever you can get it yeah. in. Okay. Sure. So the human right. the human element yeah. is at play is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm back. I yeah. feel recovered. Thank you. Um, okay. So, so, so the, the next thing you're going to have to rescue me here is is you're going to have to help a, a parent of two young children out here because like yeah. I got to get those kids out the door and I got to get them to school. And like, frankly, cereal is a huge win. So- and not to say that we do that every day, but the point is, is like, what, what do we do for these kids? 
because obviously pediatric obesity yeah. is a huge problem mm-hmm. and maybe you can kind of touch on that here too but but it seems like obviously these eating habits are starting early in life and frankly my kids don't pick out their foods i pick out their foods so yeah. like how do how do i not screw them up for the rest of their lives <laughs> just with well, the nutrition know. part i know that you can <laughs> yeah, yeah. The parenting part, we can do a different episode. Right, right, right. Yeah, so so I think this is really challenging because it depends on if your kid's a morning person or not. And as we know, in adolescence, very few adolescents are morning people. So it, it gets harder, you know, to have time in the morning to really eat something. The best thing is to have a higher protein option available together with the cereal or in place of the cereal, Mm -hmm. right? So that might be something that's made with eggs, for example, or some yogurt or cottage Mm -hmm. cheese. Those would be really great, easy options. Um, Some people make, uh, you know, protein uh, pancakes or something, right, where uh, they'll use ingredients that have a higher protein content, but avoiding sugar would be the key. Mm -hmm. And if you, if, unless you have amazing kids, most kids like the sugary cereals much more than they like the all bran or, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's definitely makes you poop. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's not just kids. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Present company included. Right. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So once you, if you think of it as try to limit the sugar, then, then your option, almost anything you do with kids will be a lot better for them. Limit the sugar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it suck that everything that tastes a damn good is not that great for you? <laughs> Don't you wish that we were just evolutionarily like we, we, we grew to to you know to not crave fats and well, sugars? I mean that that's a whole nother like I mean how many documentaries are there about the sugar industry, right? And so like Yeah, like, totally. right. So I think oh, that's a whole really. nother thing. What about what about fruits? Because I feel like I hear so many different things about mm-hmm. fruits. Like fruits are obviously whole foods. I'm talking about like legitimately a fruit. I'm not talking about smoothies or or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever. But I'm talking about or I, like a juice. I bought strawberries and I'm cutting them up and I'm giving them to my children or myself. You know, I've heard mixed right. reviews, right? Like like it's good, but it's also sugary. So I is it is it is it in between? Where am I at here? Yeah, yeah. So you know, fruit is good. Right. In in general, fruit is good because it comes with the fiber, it comes with antioxidants, it comes mm-hmm. with all sorts of great nutrients. So fruit is not necessarily the problem. It's the quantity of fruit that can become a problem. Or if it's dried fruit, mm-hmm. you know, then that's a little bit more like a candy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's really concentrated sugar and you've actually pulled the water out of the, the fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, or juices and smoothies. I mean, if you think about a small glass of orange juice, that's usually like eight oranges. Yeah. Right. So if you ate eight oranges, well, good for you. Like, that's pretty impressive because that's a lot, you know, when you think of the fiber and the water. Mm-hmm. If you have a small glass of orange juice, you might even be able to have a second one. Right. That's obscene. Mm-hmm. Right. Because what you've done is just extracted out all of the sugar but you don't have any of the fiber to help your body manage it. So of course, blood sugars go up, insulin goes up. Now you're going to be hungry the rest of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so if I wake up in the morning, I came downstairs and the, old, the first thing I ate was an orange. Would I still have that problem of being hungry in two hours? Or if I, if I combated that because the sugar is now obviously coming from an orange. So it depends. So if you already have metabolic, uh, you know, dysfunction going on. So like we talked about earlier, right? Your waistline is increasing stuff, prediabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, actually, Mm -hmm. things like that. Then, yeah, that would throw you off. Absolutely. Because you don't have a protein or or a fat to sort of stabilize your Mm -hmm. body. All right. So the goal is really you have a protein and a veggie or a protein and a fruit. You could do that. You could do... Um, you know, you just don't want sugars and fats in the same meal necessarily. That's, that's not a good combo. These are great take home points. Um, yeah. 
let's go through some of those diets. I know that, I mean, each yeah. one of these diets probably could be its own episode, but maybe we can touch on some of the totally. most popular ones and you can kind of, you know, yeah. even if you wanted to rapid fire them and be, if, if one of them is just so absurd that it shouldn't even be talked about, you can just poo poo it and we'll move forward. But, uh, okay. um, okay. the, the first one I can think of is intermittent fasting. Cause I feel like everybody and their mother is doing intermittent fasting. So is there legitimacy there? Yeah. There is legitimacy there. It depends on what you're going for. So some people will be like, I did intermittent fasting and I'm a stick now. And other people will say, I'm doing intermittent fasting and it's doing nothing for me, right? Mm -hmm. So there can be a lot of frustration. So it depends on the purpose. What is, so intermittent fasting is also called time-restricted feeding. And that's where you limit the number of hours you eat. There's also like alternate day fasting where you eat very low calories, let's say every other day or 5-2 fasting protocol where two days of the week you might have very low calories and then the other five days of the week you eat normal, mm -hmm. how you normally do. So there's different ways people do this. But if you do intermittent fasting, the key is there is out of 24 hours, you should have at least 12 hours that you are not eating or drinking any calories. Okay, you can have water, you can have black coffee, you can have black tea or mm -hmm. green tea right? Unsweetened. Then that does have a really great effect of allowing your body to enter a state of healing. Often we call that autophagy, right? Mm -hmm. It allows your body to bring down the insulin level so that you can burn fat again, mm -hmm. right? It resets the circadian rhythm of your microbiome. So that, that, that is a good thing. But there's mixed results on whether you're going to lose weight or not necessarily. So summary is Do you find it, 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 it can be effective even for somebody who's not trying to lose weight. There's benefits there. Correct. Cool. Yes. Cool. And even children can go 12 hours without eating, right? Basically, that means don't eat in the middle of the night. You eat dinner and then you eat breakfast, but you're not eating in between. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Julie, do you have one? Um, well, yeah, I feel like a lot of people talk about like my patients be like, oh, I follow a Mediterranean diet, which I, I think I, I just, you know, say like is low carb sort of or like the paleo or I guess paleo might be a little bit different. But like, what do you think about? Yeah, why don't we why don't we why don't we focus on, on whatever people would consider paleo or like we I think you even mentioned things like whole well, you foods moved before. past the Mediterranean one. That's the one that's got the wine. Well, it's yeah. got wine in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Dr. Perella wouldn't be like, all the wine you want. Right, right. It won't hurt you at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not so much. So, yeah. but with paleo, that's really, so that's sort of the ancestor's diet, mm -hmm. right? So basically they've cut out all the grains um, and pretty much limiting dairy as well. Grains, legumes, and dairy. So that can be very hard for many people. Yeah. Um, and of course, no sugar, yeah. essentially no processed foods. You avoid your potatoes. I think that's, uh, very good for individuals who maybe are trying to do, let's say like an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to figure out what's causing an irritable bowel, or they have a lot of allergies or they just mm -hmm. don't feel great. Mm -hmm. They could do that. And you might've heard of whole 30 mm -hmm. is one basically taking kind of the paleo principles and you just follow it for 30 days and then it sort of resets your body. So some people really like that. And it, okay. it sort of allows you to get back in control, especially if you've been having a lot of sugars, because mm -hmm. then of course you're going to want more sugars. So it's a great right. way to just be like, all right, I'm just making it, I'm just going clean. I'm just going to cut that stuff out, give myself nutrients and see how I'm doing. Okay. I mean, I guess the big concern with all of these is the sustainability of them. Exactly. You know, and I'm sure, Naomi, I'm sure you get a lot of, you know, patients that you, you're you seeing for, you know, repeatedly of like, how long do I have to keep this up for? And you're like, uh, yeah. forever, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm certain that, not with like a quote unquote diet. And I think there's a lot right. of people out there that would say like, well, no diet works. There's no such thing as a diet that actually works. But I mean, I guess if you wanted to reframe it as like, it's not a diet, it's a, it's a, it's a consumption lifestyle <laughs> you know you know what i mean yeah. like how would you frame it how would you frame it to somebody to be like this is just the way we you, you, your body needs to consume energy yeah so julie that's exactly right so a lot of times we have like i have this diet and i'm going to make sure every single person that comes to my office does this one diet that mm -hmm. never works right mm -hmm. trying to fit people into a one size fits all never works so really what we have to do is find out 
what's the pattern of your eating pattern? So for example, executives or people who travel a lot, they might do very well with intermittent fasting because they're already having long stretches of time when they're mm -hmm. unable to eat, mm -hmm. right? And so rather than say, oh, eat six times a day like a bird, you know, that doesn't work for those individuals because right. that's not their eating pattern, right? Mm -hmm. But there might be times when they, uh, you know, they might be having an intermittent fasting pattern of eating and that works very well for them. They feel great. They're doing great. And then they go on vacation. Now mm -hmm. they're going to be eating all around the clock, right? So that requires a different kind of eating than intermittent fasting because they might have to pay attention to more of the different options they take. So I think the best thing is to know which foods are going to affect your body in the ways that you want and in the ways you don't want. Mm -hmm. And then match it up with what works for you. So knowing that sugars causes insulin to go up causes people to be hungry all the time. You just don't want to have it all day, every day. Right. Right. But you might sometimes have it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might choose not to. And mm -hmm. It might depend on how you're feeling or what you have access to. So I like to go at it from knowledge and linking it to how do you want your body to be? And I'm mm -hmm. going to show you, I'm going to connect the dots for you so that you can know, okay, I have a high performance event coming up. I need mm -hmm. to be on my game. I don't have time to be chasing food. I don't have time to have brain fog. I'm going hardcore, protein, veggies, water, done. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might be like, it's Thanksgiving I'm gonna or Memorial <laughs> Day weekend. I'm having a barbecue. Mm -hmm. I'm eating all sorts of junk. So the day before, I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I'm going to eat whatever I want on, you know, all the parties. And then the day after, I'm going to be working out and I'm going to, you know, get back on track and cut out the sugars for a couple days. So you can mix I love and match. How you, yeah. Yeah. I love how you said the way that you want your body to be, not the way you want your body to look. And Correct. I think that that's a big part of it too, is that, and I think, you know, what I see a lot on like TikTok and Instagram and social media is this sort of pushback of that fat, fat bodies are unhealthy bodies. And like, what, what would be your answer to that? Cause I'm sure obviously like there's no blanket statement, you know, that you can make obviously, but like, yeah. I do think that there's been an obsession with, with body image and fatness and thinness and, and there'll probably a lot of frustration by people that are deemed obese or overweight that might actually have really like may have metabolically healthy bodies, you know, and, totally. and I, I like the way that you put it is like you, the body that you want to be or the body that you want to feel and not the body what you like what you want it to look like. And so right. what I kind of what what is what what's your thoughts about just sort of yeah. perception? Well, I have to tell you, one of my pet peeves is weight bias, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of times people will look at somebody and make a judgment based on their weight or the way they look. And that's just outright wrong. So mm -hmm. there can be somebody in my office who might look, you know, overweight or obese and nobody knows the story that got them there. Mm -hmm. This could be somebody who was 400 pounds and is showing up in my office at 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's miraculous, right? Yeah. Like it blow my mind, right? That yes. is so cool. It could be somebody who had, you know, been put on medications and they gained a bunch of weight and mm -hmm. they're trending down, right? Mm -hmm. And they're getting better and they're coming off that. So we don't know what's going on based on just looking at someone. So I'm totally opposed to, you know, the looks thing being mm -hmm. a, a marker of anything. Mm -hmm. And we do have a term called TOFI. This is a medical term, right? Then on the outside, fat on the inside because <laughs> of all the visceral fat. Okay. And that's mm -hmm. metabolically unhealthy, but the person looks fine. Skinny they fat. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and you can have excess weight and look metabolically unhealthy, but actually have perfectly fine functioning body at a much larger body mass. Mm -hmm. It depends. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah, you can't really tell, but, but it's the way somebody feels. And when yeah. people come to my office, the first question we ask them after, how'd you find us, is um, what's your goal? Mm hmm. And very often people will give goals like, I want to be able to get up off the ground after mm -hmm. I play with my grandchildren. I want to be able to do something. I wa they, want to, they want some freedom that mm -hmm. they currently don't have, right? They feel limited mm -hmm. by some discomfort or something. 
that's when it's not fun. That's the stuff that, you know, you can actually do something about. We can reverse that. Doesn't that also make your job a little bit easier when they have kind of like specific things that they're looking to do? I find that that's the case for us too. When people come in and they just ask us to decrease their pain, it's so much harder than having, you know, I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z and, 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 and trying to work with that. So when somebody comes in and says, I just want to lose totally. weight, it's a little bit harder than somebody who says, I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that makes a big difference. So in medicine, we're often paying attention to all the problems so that we can help solve them and help people feel better and do what they want to do. But when we actually ask, you know, what is it that's driving you? Like, what it, what's the it? They will tell us, right? It's, mm-hmm. I, I want to play. I want to travel. I want to do all these other things. And once we understand that, then the way we can help the person stay activated, right? Not just motivated, but also do, like work towards it mm-hmm. is by connecting it with their why, right? And that's, I think, the most important thing. And that's what's fun about what we do, right? Is we get to help people get connected with their body again and do what they want to do. Would so you call fun. that setting digestible goals? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Notice Jeremy is not laughing. Totally. He's yeah. not enough of my shit. It, this is the second time in the podcast I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. Again, I will be setting up my oh, replacement God. next week. Yes. Uh, um, perhaps you will have Dr. Awesome. Perella. This will be the Jeremy and Naomi show. <laughs> so sorry. Na- Naomi, no, any I other diets that you hear all yeah. the time that you want to shout out at all? I, I, You probably hear more than we do. Both on a, both um, good you know, or bad. A lot of- yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that the, there's a lot of comments about keto and low carb mm-hmm. and high mm-hmm. protein and meal replacements, calorie restriction. There's lots of different diets out there and there's a place for all of them. Mm-hmm. And there's different times in our life or different times when we might want to use one or the other. But again, big picture we're talking about long-term, right? Nobody wants to lose weight or feel better only for a few weeks. Right? They yeah. want it for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you start with or try, you can have success on and off. Um, I think it helps to recognize there's lots of different ways to get there and everybody's going to find, you know, that their one way it should be everybody's way, right? So you always hear, oh, I did keto and I'm going to be perfect and everybody should do it. Or I did, you know, this uh, paleo and everybody should do it. Each person is going to benefit from some, from various options mm-hmm. and it might change throughout life. So it's not a one size fits all. And that's mm-hmm. the most important thing people need to know. Yeah. Sustainability it's, is so huge. I think Julie said the word sustainable. Yeah. And I, I think that that's such a huge, yeah, totally. you got to be able to want to do it right. If something asks you to do something you don't want to do, you're eventually going to stop doing it. So I think that that's, that's big time. What about things like Weight Watchers? Yeah. So I think there's a place for that as well, right? A lot of people like the support group aspect. Mm-hmm. Weight Watchers has changed their program over the years and now, you know, even their name, right? So um, I, I think for people, for many people, it's very helpful at certain points in their life. I don't have many people that come to my office, at least, that have been successful with Weight Watchers for long term for yeah. like a forever right. thing, sure. right? It's like, on and off. Yeah, right. And there's probably some selective bias there too, because they ended up in your office, right? So I'm sure there's people doing exactly. But yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Well, I would love to finish up um, at least the serious part of this conversation uh, with maybe some like quick hitting take. There was a part of that. There was a serious part. Well, yeah. Did I miss that? I, I've had my breath taken away a few times. Um, I know. It, Hilarious. Just some take home points that maybe you could leave with, you know, some stuff that you'd want the listeners to hear to, to kind of take home. Like, what's some quick some input? quick bites, if you will? <laughs> oh, all <laughs> oh right. God. Here's some bites, okay? Yeah. So, first of all, I think the most important thing I'm going to give five kind of tips. Okay. Ooh. Hang all on, right. I got to get a pen. So, she came prepared, guys. <laughs> Damn, Naomi. Well, you know, I like action, like, yes, I like to make it possible. So the first tip is cutting out sugar as much as possible, as much of the time as possible, right? So 
Protect Preach. your body, reduce inflammation, and improve your energy. And the way you're going to do that is by limiting sugar, right? So that's number one. You do nothing else, right? And that's consistent across all the diets, okay? Mm -hmm. Sad to say. Number two would be give your body a 12-hour digestive rest. That's that, quote, intermittent fasting, right? Mm -hmm. So 12 hours, you can have fluids that have no calories, but really let your gut microbiome know this is break time and let your body go into repair mode, okay? So that's number two. Number three is when you're going to eat, eat a protein plus or minus a veg, mm -hmm. okay? And drink water, right? So that's like obviously so simple. Number four would be protect time for rest and sleep. And we didn't talk about that today, yeah. but that actually reduces our stress level naturally so that the body doesn't pack on more weight around the waist, mm -hmm. okay? So the time for rest and sleep. And then the fifth thing is to interrupt sitting. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you both know this so well, right? You have to move or you're not going to be able to move. Can we call it get off your ass? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. DM. No, Stay what, active. Yeah. yeah. Trademark. <laughs> I love it. What would the GOA? Yeah, oh, Goya. 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 I think that trade. Goya, get off your Better. ass. Think, yeah, right now. I think that trademark's yeah. taken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are beans. It's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Oh man. Oh my gosh, that's super no, awesome. No, yeah, interrupt sitting. Those are great points. That's, that's a good way to put it. Naomi. That's a very diplomatic way to put it. Yeah. Oh man. Well, that was that. That was yeah. great. No Thank one has you. has summarized so far this well. Yes. Well. Oh really? This is great. Well, I'm all about making lists for people. Well, I, I'll be like, your soul. three things you got to remember today. Two things today. Actionable <laughs> items. In Beautiful this Actionable items in this area are very important. So we we really appreciate yeah. And everybody listening, I'm sure, really appreciates that. Okay, Julie and I like to do our, um, a rapid fire uh, segment before we uh, uh, let you kind of tell people <laughs> where to find you. So um, sure. uh, I can go first. Um, what does your cheat day consist of? Ooh. What is my cheat day? Yeah, you just told us all the right things to eat. I want to know when you're eating when it's the wrong thing. Oh, yeah. Chocolate croissant. There is no cheat day. No, chocolate croissant. Oh. Bring it on. Do you have a favorite place to get a chocolate croissant? Because now I want to know that. No. But if you find one, okay. let me know. All right. <laughs> you have to share that. All right, Naomi, if I had a barbecue, what are you bringing? Um, if you had a barbecue, what would I be bringing? You don't have to make it. You could pick it up from somewhere like I do. <laughs> no, I would probably be bringing the coleslaw. Oh, that's hot. Homemade or store-bought? Homemade, absolutely. Okay, yeah, okay. Just great recipe. Just, yeah. just trying to decide if I'm inviting you to the barbecue or not. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not bringing homemade. I ain't chopping up that cabbage. That's why Julie doesn't come to my barbecue. Food processor, yeah. <laughs> You're getting, you're getting Mariano's guacamole. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't want you know. <laughs> Oh, love guac. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. All right. You can, one concert you really need to see that you haven't. That I haven't? Yeah. Alive or dead? Uh, um, Coldplay. Oh, they're, co they're coming this summer to Chicago. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Julia, I I got one more. Um, go for we, it. We love to, You're we love it. to ask like the we spend a lot of time in the car question, and I think it's a good one. So oh yeah. We all spend yeah. so much time in the car. What do you listen to? What keeps you energized? Oh. So I'm a murder mystery audio. Yes. <sighs> yes. A woman yeah. after my own heart. Yeah, Julie too. Oh totally. More them better. Yeah. Yeah. Us ladies oh. like to learn about how people like to kill us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super into that yeah yeah yeah, well, yeah, yeah. traffic okay right because you're like oh good i'm getting closer to finding out oh, who the murderer is yeah. like yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. you guys are fun yep yeah what is yours jeremy yeah. what do i i i, I, I yeah. listen to what the health podcast no i'm just uh oh, i oh. i actually do I, I tend to do podcasts in the morning and then in the in the afternoon i tend to either do an audiobook or music depending on which vibe i need 
like what what yeah so interesting yeah so i i have it change up kind of based on my mood sometimes like if i have a stressful day in the morning i can't listen to my podcast like i have to put on like music or oh, something yeah. so it kind of depends on on that but I, I definitely rotate between i usually have one or two audiobooks going a couple podcasts i listen to and then music all at the same what time kind of you just it's a cacophony yes <laughs> Yes, at at usually around uh, one time speed. I try to not do the one point five two time speed because then I can't listen to other people. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't listen to people talking then anymore when they're talking slow. Oh, that's so yeah, funny. it changes. Yeah, yeah. So. All right, Nomi. Yeah, if people want to yeah, right. learn more about you, where can they find information on who you are? Um, I know you're involved with some company stuff. If you want to mention that, anything that we can uh, have people look for you. Um, yeah, so obviously I'm at Rush University in the weight loss uh, clinics over there. And I'm also at Readout Health. We make a breath ketone monitor to basically self-assess if you're burning fat or not. And nice. it's actually really cool. But anyways, and then um, I'm available on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I, I wish I could tell you what my handle is. <laughs> I'm new. I'm new to social media, so I don't even have Facebook. Okay, it's Gaia Gal. Uh, yeah, totally, totally. Well, we, yeah, we will so. be sure to put Naomi's Twitter handle in our <laughs> podcast notes. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. We'll I think it's it umbrella MD or something, but I, yeah. I don't. I don't know for sure. So. Yeah, awesome. this was an absolute joy. Yeah, this was so much fun, yeah. and it's definitely not going to be the last time. I can't believe how many stones we oh. did not. Unter, you know, like turn over with this thing, and <laughs> it's still like I, I didn't have enough paper in front of me to take enough notes. I, I'm. This is so informative. So many more digestion puns okay. for me to make yes. too. So oh, I can't, I can't wait. Well, you two are doing a great job with keeping this fun. So yeah. thanks for having yeah. me. Of course, of so course. much fun. All right, all right. Thanks so much for coming Thank on, you. Julie. We're still asking. What the hell? Amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. What the Health Podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast.